The blessed life part, part one, it was the goal of giving. I want to recap really quick, then we're going to dive hard into week two. I've got 41 slides, so you better get your phones ready. Uh, this has the potential to be a two-parter. I'm just saying. We'll see how things go. Vernon, okay? This, this could be a two-parter. I don't, I don't want you sleeping. I'm going to be having my eyes on you, okay? But I believe today is going to be a game changer for many, okay? So, um, recap quickly last Sunday, we talked about the blessed life is not a, a, or the blessed life is a who, not a have, right? We talked about how God is a giver, and we talked about how the goal of giving is to become like our God who is a giver. This blessed life series is a series that we're talking about giving, okay? So really last week we connected, the, we wanted to define what the blessed life was, because blessed in our culture, no one, that, like, no one knows what that actually means, but according to Jesus, blessed is a who, not a have. We wanted to make sure that you know, despite what life throws at you, our, our world will try to jade you to think that God is not a giver, but God is a giver. He consistently provides for us things on a daily basis, and here's the thing. The goal of giving is that ultimately, as we do more of it, we become like the God who gives, so giving is not just we do to get something from God. He's not a, God's not a genie we rub the right way. He'll give us what, what we want. Whenever we give, it is simply us modeling and doing what we see our Father doing. And when we do more of it, we become more like God. Okay, but let's go ahead and dive in today. I want to preach to you a sermon called Three Blessing Blockers. Three Blessing Blockers. Before we dive in, though, I do want to take time and welcome our church online family. Lifehouse family, can we just right now welcome our church online family? Wherever you're watching from, we're so glad you are here. We love you and are grateful for you and so glad that you are joining in today. You might not think about this a whole lot, but I, I was thinking of, about randomly as I was preparing for this sermon, what makes the Dead Sea dead? Has anybody wondered that? Like, has anybody in their sleep, you wake up, you wonder, what makes the Dead Sea dead? Don't know, I, I had that thought this week, and you can kind of see the Dead sea, sea here, and actually what makes the Dead Sea dead is that it receives water but doesn't give water. It only receives, it only has water pouring in, but it has no place for the water to go out. And so because of that, what actually happens, the water becomes uninhabitable. There is nothing living in the water because if it's all right, so because of its saltiness, it literally becomes an unlivable place for anything to live because it only receives, it never gives. And I mean, you, 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 like you even think about how the, okay, y'all just stick with me here, how the human body works. <laughs> That's all I got to say. If the body only received <laughs> you, you get the point it's even in our DNA it's built in our human DNA our human biology that we just must not only receive it's got to go somewhere but what I see in the church is that we have a lot of dead Christians who focus on the blessing being about receiving, but don't see the blessed life as it not just getting to you, but being able to get through you. 
So here's the thing. Life isn't blessed if it only gets to you but not through you. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The blessed life isn't just a life that receives blessing. A blessed life is one where the blessing can get to you and then it can get through you. What you see in Scripture is, is, is that God never blesses anybody just for themselves. Never. Like, he never says, I want to give you a lot, and that all a lot is just for you. The best example of this, and I could do many examples, but I already have 41 slides. So I've got to give you one, is Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay, every preacher's got to do that. Every preacher I've watched that talks about Father Abraham just goes into the song, sort of. So Abraham, you can see this in Genesis 12. God has always chosen to work through people. I don't get it. If I was God, I wouldn't, because that would be like me working through my sons. You know how hard it is to work through my sons? My, I have a desire, I had a desire yesterday to clean the house. I'm trying to incorporate them into this mission and plan. Including them makes everything last 20 times longer. Because the time they spend bickering, whining, complaining, blaming, comparing, they don't spend doing. Like my son, my youngest son, he, he is my hard head. He, like I asked him to do something. He could play games for hours, so it's not like he's not capable of doing something for a while. I ask him to do something that will literally take him 15 minutes. He blames, whines, complains, and, it, and he whines for one hour. And, and while he's doing this, he could have it done, and he could be back on a screen. But that, that's what I'm saying. I don't get, but this is us with God. God chooses to use messed up, broken people to accomplish his will. I don't get it. But here's the thing. That, that, that's because God is, is always about development. Right, and, and this is what we do as parents. We try to incorporate them. We try to make sure we're, we're not just giving them everything. We're trying to include them because we're trying to not just bless them. We're trying to be a blessing through them. So what you see here, Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, God is wanting to begin a nation, a movement through a person. And he chooses Abraham, Genesis 12. He says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will, what? Bless you and make you famous, and you will then, what? Be a blessing to others. And then it says this, all the families on earth will be, what? Through you. God associates his blessing not just with this is all for you. He always associates his blessing with, I will get it to you, but I just don't want to get it to you. I want to get it through you. Basically, what God's saying, I don't want you to be a dead sea. I don't want you to be a dead place where things go and nothing can live because you only receive, you never give. The blessed life is one where the blessings don't just come to you. They go through you. One of the core values at LifeHouse that we had established from the beginning, this just wasn't for us corporately, but we wanted people to live out individually. But when we have a core value at our church, it means how we make decisions. Like how many of you think there are possibly a difference in core values between Popeye's and Chick-fil-A? I mean, I doubt Popeye's is, is, is like, we, we, you know, we want to have terrible customer service. 
We want our food to shorten people's lives by like 20 years, right? Like, I doubt that is what Popeye's is going for, but you know, Chick-fil-A, bro, like you have 30 cars at Chick-fil-A, you're getting in line. Because I think their core values make it down to actually how they do things, right? Popeye's, there's two cars in line. Nope. It's going to be all day. All day, baby. Back when, the chick, back when Popeye's had their chicken sandwich, man, lines for days. I was like, I'm not doing it. I, I, I don't have six hours to wait in line to get this chicken sandwich, okay? But, but like core values, like basically say like what matters to you, what is important, and how are you going to make decisions? Like what's going to be important? So we accept from the beginning of our church, we wanted to be a church that is blessed to be a blessing. And what we mean by that is we have open hands. And even that's why we chose for this series, Open Hands, of basically saying, we don't want to be a church where if God gives us people, property, money, whatever God gives us, we don't want to take and say, thank you. Because when you have shut hands, that also means you can't receive anything else. You can't just give, you can't receive as well. And so we said from the very beginning, we wanted to be, if God bless, whatever God blesses us with, if he blesses us with it, he can bless us or he can bless others through us. As a church, we calculated it. We, we, as a church, in five years, have given away to our communities and abroad $340,000. Come on. That's probably 15 to 17% of what we have brought in. That, that just hasn't gone here. That has gone out into our community. That has gone to, to different things like ICM. We have said if God gives it to us, we just don't want him to give it to us. We want him to also give it through us. And that is the heart here of when I'm saying what are blessing blockers, what are those things keeping you, maybe not from receiving blessings, but that is keeping, that is blocking you from giving the blessing. You know, we have a culture that wants you to focus on what you don't have. Because whenever you focus on what you don't have, that will breed discontentment. And then you'll always want more. So one of the key thoughts here is I think the blessed life means this. You are thankful for the blessings you do have instead of being whatever for the blessings you, you, you don't have. Don't let, because something that will jade your view of blessing is you'll only see those things you don't have instead of actually being cognizant of what you do have. The culture is trying to get you to shut your hands. Literally, the culture is trying to get you not to live like this, but trying to live like this. And, and isn't it true, like, there's a couple things that deeply influence this. Number one, culture is, is, is pushing this, but isn't it true experiences can really contribute to this? I mean, think about the home you grew up in. The home I grew up in, man, was paycheck to paycheck. I can still hear my dad saying, I don't know if I can say this online, welcome to Lifehouse. <laughs> if you are new here, I preach the word passionately. Um, I, don't, I don't consider this a bad word, but he would say things like, we got a pot to piss in. Like, I can still hear him saying that. When I'm like, Dad, we have a toilet. <laughs> right? I was young, you know? 
But it's, it's crazy how even the home and experience you had growing up can shape the way you view giving, can shape the way you view money, can shape the way where it's, where it's like you've got these experiences that can shape. Like one of the things I grew up, like, I, like my family grew up paycheck to paycheck, but I'll tell you one thing, my mom gave. Like, I mean, giving, I, like, I saw her give so, like I think she gave more money to homeless people than she did to us. Like, flat out, like, she was helping everybody. She would bless people. She ran a Christian bookstore. People would come in, book cost 20 bucks. Just go and take it, baby. You, you know, like, just, just this attitude and heart of giving. And what I can, can say is a couple things trickle down. Personally, number one, I had no clue about money. Never taught about compound interest. Never taught about the importance of investing. Never knew what a budget was. But dang, what I picked up on is giving. And, and thankfully, as I've grown up a little bit and realized how important money is, like I'm, I'm starting to learn some of, some of these other thoughts and kind of like skills, but I've added that to having a heart of giving. Why? Because I saw it modeled. What you see modeling becomes the norm most of the time. So you have to say like, Things that can shut your hands is, is like maybe your experiences that you grew up with or, and just the culture in general of just pushing you towards more and more and more. So I'm going to talk to you today about three blessing blockers, all right? Three blockers that might not keep blessing from getting to you, but it will dang sure keep the blast, block the blessing from getting through you. You guys ready? Number one, ready? Lack. A mindset of lack. A mindset of lack. Lack simply means this. I don't have enough. We'll never have enough. And God won't provide enough. And some of you experienced this grow, grow, growing up. You had like genuine lack. Some of you are experiencing lack right now, like genuine lack. But some of you are not lacking, but you feel like you're lacking. If you have a view of God that involves lack, it will always be a struggle for you to be a blessing. It just will. Why? Because there's not enough. But let me, but let me ask you this. What is enough? I mean, there are people, they, they don't think they have enough unless they have a certain amount of zeros in their savings. But how many zeros is enough? And really, too, if you don't believe that God can give you more, you'll never be open to give what you have. But being a blessing is less about how much you have and how much you do with and what you do with what you have. Isn't it true? Like we all want more. But let me ask you this. Would would getting more help you or crush you? Because it's, it's crazy. Like, we can want more, and then what Jesus said was, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. So you, by saying more, it isn't saying you just want more blessing. It's actually saying you want more responsibility. Are you managing even what you have well? Can you be entrusted with even the whatever you have? But even so, Jesus, he told this one parable. Actually, I don't think it was a parable. I think it was actually a real story. Luke chapter 21 
verses one through four, many of us know this. It, it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two, two, and dropped in two small coins. He said, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their what? Surplus, but she, poor, has, she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. So you can see, if, if Jesus was not impressed with how much, Jesus was actually impressed, not by how much she had, little she had, he called her poor, but he said, even in her state, that didn't keep her from being a blessing. And he said, even though these ballers gave a lot, that wasn't actually a sacrifice to them. Some of you think you can't be a blessing because of what you have. But what can develop with that mentality is we develop this when I, then I'll. Okay. Don't know what that, was that your phone? Do you want to grab it? Okay, all right. Just sounded intense. Just want to make sure. But we can develop this when I, then I'll. So when I get to a place, then I'll be a blessing. And what, what, what I would say is just be careful of that because this culture will get you to think you're never arrived. You're never at that place. You'll never be at the place where, where you can actually bless. If blessing for you is buying somebody else a Starbucks drink, start there. Don't think when you have to get to a certain place, then you can be a blessing. Be a blessing right where you are and let God see he, that you can be entrusted with what you have. And really, like I said, I believe this is a spiritual issue where even scripture says things like the Psalm chapter 23, David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I what? Lack nothing. Psalm 34, nine, David wrote this too. He said, fear the Lord, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The culture's trying to get you in a form of lack because if you have lack, you'll do, you'll, man, this is a, <laughs> the devil is real today. He's trying to get y'all to focus on something else. We come against the spirit of drop in Jesus' name. <laughs> Lord, if you're watching online, we got stuff dropping all over the place, Char chargers, <laughs> trying to distract the people of God today from hearing this message. So be, be careful about lack influencing and being a blessing blocker. Because when you just see what you have instead of who you have, you'll always feel like you have lack. But when you realize when God shows you and, and, and you have this revelation that God is never lacking, and if you follow his principles, if you work hard, if you're generous, if you save, if you invest, if you spend well, if you budget, if, if, if you do things God's way, you'll get the results that God says you can get. All right, second blessing blocker. Ready? First office lack, second one. Fear. 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 Fear is a powerful motivator. We saw this in the past couple years. You get people scared, you can control the masses. Fear the economy. I mean, 
I, I go to my dad's house. My dad has the news on 24-7. And my dad struggles with anxiety. I'm over there for five minutes. I'm struggling with anxiety. <laughs> like, literally, my soul gets troubled. News has nothing, like, no positive stories. It's, it's, it's just stroking fear. Fear of the economy crashing. Fear of the stock market going down. Fear of a food shortage. Fear, 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 fear. And what I, w- I would just say, y'all, just be reminded, what you feed grows. If you're spending more time listening to, and, and here's the thing, we can use, you want to be informed. Putting your head in the sand, you know, Jesus said, be in the world, but just not of it. Okay? So we're not trying to hide and be like desert people. You know, it's like, no, we're, we're living in this world. But be careful and monitor what your spirit can handle. Because many of you are, are battling anxiety and worry, doubt, fear, all of these things. And it's directly, not because you're a bad person, but it's directly related to what you're consuming. Like if you're watching more news and meeting, reading more headlines and it's, and it's this chaos and fear and what's going wrong, the world's coming to an end. We have eight years, they say, until climate takes us, takes us over, which might be true. I'm not sure. I'm not saying invalidate it. But what I am saying, if, if you are reading more of that instead of reading what God's promises are to you, what he says and what he promises, just know what you feed will grow. What you feed will grow. You know what scripture tells us is, is God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I was actually talking to Jackson about this the other day. One of, I don't know if it's a blessing or burden on Jackson, but when you have a preacher as a dad and I take you to school, you know what you get before you get out the car? We call it a one-minute word. I, can't, I put my phone down at one minute. Jackson knows when we make a left onto Jefferson, one minute word, baby. And I've even asked him, make a jingle. You know, da, 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 one minute word. You know, and give me a jingle, and then I'll go into it, right? So I was talking to him about fear. And what I told him was is, Jackson, there's a difference between a feeling of fear and a spirit of fear. And, and I was like, man, this is good, John. You should preach, preach this. <laughs> it's just the spirit welling out. There's a difference between a feeling and a spirit of fear. Because here's the thing, right? And the way that I explained it to him, we're driving in a car. I, I said, as a person, fear is going to be present. Fear, fear, like you look in the Bible, like what the number one command that God gave humans and people was do not fear. Literally. It said 365 times, scripts, scholars say. How many days are in a year? 365. Because fear can be a powerful motivator, and we can operate by it. And so what I told Jackson is many of the people in the Bible operated with the feeling of fear. But what overcomes fear is courage. Courage operates and does what God tells you to do in spite of fear, the feeling of fear maybe being present. So what I told him is, is look, fear can sometimes be with you in the car, but don't let it be in the driver's seat. 
If it's in the driver's seat, it's a spirit. If it's a feeling, it can be in the passenger seat, but you in the car relying on the Lord, right? So, but many of you, when it comes to money, you just get this fear. When it comes to giving, you get this fear, and it's not a feeling of fear. It is a spirit of fear, and what I feel like the Lord tell me to tell you today is it's time for the spirit of fear to be broken over your life. Because it's blocking, not you receiving. Actually, because you are so fearful, you're actually getting a lot of blessing. Because you want to hoard. You, you want to be peaceful. And you want to be secure. It might help get it to you, but fear won't help get it through you. It might help you receive blessing, but dang, it will keep you from being a blessing. One of the things that Jesus has promises us is that we can... That as his kids, we live in the kingdom of God. Living in the kingdom of God is like living in an alternative reality. Where instead of, we respect the president, we respect world, world rulers, we live in this world system. Yet the kingdom of God teaches us we have a different king, King Jesus and we actually live in this reality of the kingdom of God. So we actually, though we're in the world, we live in a different world. And the best way to really explain it is living in the kingdom of God is like being in the eye of a hurricane. This was, a, this was actually a shot taken from Hurricane Dorian. I think it was last year or the year before. Where inside of the eye of one of the largest hurricanes ever, there is a blue sky and you can see the sun. This is what it is like having the opportunity to live in the kingdom of God. Where though there is a hurricane of insanity going on around us, we have the opportunity to have blue skies, a sun. Why? Because, because Jesus said the kingdom of God, we, we have a king that will provide for our needs. We have a king that says, do not worry about what you'll, do not worry about the stuff the world worries about. Why? Because you have... God that, that sees you and will answer you and will be with you. And, and so really what helps hinder fear is when you actually realize you're not living in this reality. You actually, as, as a follower of Jesus, you live in the kingdom of God. And this is a hard trans transition and something that takes years to walk in, years to kind of like live in. But when you learn to live in it, though the hurricane is going on around you, you've got this clear sky that you can know. My God is here. He sees me. Fear isn't actually bad. But what's important is fearing the right thing. Even scripture tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what that simply means is like fear can be like, oh, my God. Or fear can be a holy reverence. Like kind of like your parents. If you had good parents, you had a holy fear for them. A reverential fear, knowing they give, but they can take. They bless, but they can discipline. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of like when, whenever you go to a judge, right? The judge has, you know, it's kind of like you, you've kind of got this reverence for the position that they hold. And you don't like, oh, but at the same time, you've got this like, I recognize and observe and consider the power you have. And when it says to fear the Lord, that's exactly what 
that's exactly what we're called to do. But fear is actually can be a positive thing if you fear the right thing. Let me give you an example. If you fear whom you are becoming, or here's the thought. Fear whom you are becoming if you don't give instead of fearing what you won't have if you do give. I'm going to say that one more time. Fear whom you are becoming if you don't give instead of fearing what you won't have if you do give. Is this making sense? Because some of you are so afraid to give, not realizing a byproduct of you not being, being a blessing is the kind of person you morph into. But many of you are so scared not to have certain things, you missed of what you should be scared of is the fact of who you are morphing into as you consistently withhold giving any blessing. And as we talked about last week, blessing is who you are becoming, not what you have. And many of you are more scared to not have a certain thing than you are about the kind of person you are becoming. We need to make sure we are fearing the right things. Fear will keep us back from being generous. And really, I'm going to say this to you lovingly. So the reason why some of you are so bored in following Jesus is because you're never in a position to actually practice faith and trust. Here's the thing. The, the only way you'll see God be faithful is to put yourself in a position for him to be faithful. For him to be faithful. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? Like, we want to see testimonies, but, no, but none of us want to test. The Lord, stretch my faith. Be careful. Lord, grow me. Lord, develop me. Lord, I want to be more like you. And you haven't read about the life of Jesus? Jesus wasn't just a savior. He was an example. And some of you want him to be your savior, but want to bypass his life being the example of what it means to live the will of God. Was there blessing? Absolutely. But there was also trial. But some of you are so, are so bored in following Jesus because you don't want to step out and do something that actually requires faith. And some of you, this is in your money. Like, your life, especially your money, is too safe. And actually, what you can do is you can never give God the opportunity to show himself to, to be faithful. Now, here's, here is the thing, right? Many of us will say, I'm just being wise. No, wisdom and fear have a fine line. Everybody cool? Wisdom and fear can have a fine line. There, there's a fine line. Because, yes, we, we want to be wise, but you have to do a lot of deep introspection and say, am I being fearful or am I being wise? And just remember this. Worldly wisdom and godly wisdom can look completely different, different at times. This is what's called the Bible. God said, Abram, go to a country you've never seen. Moses, go part that Red Sea. David, you're the least in your flock, but you know what? Step up, you're going to be king. Peter, you cussed out people for saying you're a disciple. Now go and lead them. Some, sometimes wisdom and sometimes fear can 
be very hard to discern. But what I want to challenge us to do and challenge you to do, and some of you already do this, some of you have never done it. Take a step in generosity, and here is the thing. As you take a step in generosity, what you will actually do is you will break the spirit, not a feeling, a spirit of fear that you have right now in regards to being a blessing and giving. Nobody gave me an amen on that. <laughs> Figured I'd have at least one. Take a step in generosity be, be, because here's the thing. You, the way that you become free is by doing something different. By doing something. And this step might be so different. And that's what I love about our church. We're a church of next steps. So we're saying wherever you are, take a, take a step. If you've never given before, give something. If you're kind of uh, whatever emotional giver, give consistently. If you kind of give consistently, but it's not a sacrifice, maybe choose, and you know what? We could give something consistently that's a, a sacrifice. All I'm saying is, is what if we had a church that said we are not going to let fear hinder us from being a blessing? Individually and corporately. And, and, and some of you have fear, but do you know what eliminates fear? A plan. <laughs> right? Because many of us financially with our money operate like hoping there's something left over at the end of the month. Instead of saying, you know what, let's, let's, let's come up with where the money goes, how much we have come, coming in and create a plan. And actually creating a plan that a might actually take away some of the fear you have. But I believe the Lord today wants to break the spirit of fear that you have. And he wants to release you from this being a block. And not the blessing getting to you, but maybe it getting through you. Do you know how much fun blessing is? I mean, do you guys remember a couple years ago, pre-COVID? For those of you that were here, we kind of lied to a Pizza Hut driver, a couple of them. And we told them to deliver pizzas to a theater Right, we were in cahoots with the manager at Pizza Hut. And we told, you know, we told them, hey, what drivers do you have that need a blessing? So they had them come in. They came into the store. They said, yeah, there's some church over there at Regal that meets early. They need pizzas today. So they kind of had them come in. They come in. We had one come in, eat service. Carrie greeted them at the door, walked, walked them in, walked them to the front of the stage, and we just had everybody bring them money. I mean, literally, just, just like just saying, hey, bro, we know you thought you were delivering pizza today. We know that's what you think you had hap happening. But, bro, we just want you to stand right here. And we got a group of people that just want to bless you, man. And literally 15 minutes, 15, 20, 20 minutes, people, aisles all throughout the church just coming down. 20s, 100s, giving the guy a hug. Come on. How fun is that? How fun is that? That is what blessing can be when you get free of fear, when you get free of lack, that it's just not a church thing. It can be a life thing. That, what, that whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to you, send this person $500. Got it. Got it. 
where you're not trying to, if the Lord's blessed you with it, he just doesn't want to bless you with it. He wants to bless others through you. So that's, that's why we're trying to get our hands open. We, we want to identify what those blessing markers are. Okay? So the first one, lack. Second one, fear. The third one's the hardest, okay? The third one is, what time is it? Do I have time? 10.15, we straight. We good. The last one is greed. No one likes greed, okay? No, no one considers themselves greedy. Let's define it, though, okay? Biblical scholar John Rittenball says this. Greed is ruthless, self-seeking, and an arrogant assumption that others and things exist for one's own benefit. Okay? Uh, William Barclay, an, uh, another biblical scholar, says this. Greek word for greed is pleonexia. And the word, he describes the word to mean an accursed love of having. An accursed love of having. Now, it is, it is true that different cultures have different cultural sins. And what I mean by a cultural sin is something, can we define sin real quick? Because some of you come from from different church backgrounds. Sin is when you choose what you think is best over what God thinks is best. Sin is nothing more than that. It's you saying, I am the ruler and the judge and the king of my kingdom. What I say goes. And if that is, in con- if that is contrary to what God says, then, then that is kind of what sin is. It's, it's you doing what you want to do instead of what God asks us to do lovingly and kindly. So cultural sins, man, like different cultures have different cultural sins. And what I mean by that is something can be so ingrained in the culture that nobody even recognizes when someone's doing it. Let me say that one more time. A cultural sin is where something is so ingrained in a culture and it's almost accepted as everyone's doing it that nobody even recognizes when it's actually happening. Giving a cultural analysis, I believe the United States cultural sin is greed. If greed is an accursed love of having and never being satisfied, always wanting more and more and more never enough, need more, the cultural sin of the United States is greed. We take everything, like get fat on it, fill yourselves more. How is that working out for us? Are people content? Are people happy? Are people able to actually regulate intake for different things? Like, are, 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 are people doing good at controlling all of this more? Greed is sneaky. And it's sneaky because of where we live and how we live and the affluence we live in. And if we aren't careful, see, let me say it this way, and this is a slide later, but I'm going to say it now. If you are not intentionally generous, 
you will be either unintentionally or intentionally greedy. Not because you're a bad person, because it's our culture. When you combine your inward black wholeness as we, that we are as people, broken as we are, trying to fill God-like shapes in us with finite stuff, I just think we, we, we get more relationships, more money, more sex, more stuff, more cars, more, 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 more. That will fill the more void in us that was actually created to be filled by God. When you combine that with the culture we live in, if you aren't militarily, intentionally generous, the culture is too strong. The culture is too strong. Everyone doing okay? Okay. You know, I, you know I love you. And I want our hands to be open. I want our hands to be open. I don't want our hands shut, lack and fear and greed. Jesus actually talked about, he actually says this, be on your guard against all forms of greed. Luke chapter 12, which is this this parable is wild. It's called the parable of the rich fool. This is like Jesus looked ahead to the United States and said, let me tell, tell a parable about the United States. Like, let me tell a parable about what the United States calls wisdom. And then let's, yeah. So anyway, this is what it says. Jesus said, said to them, watch out. Just think if Jesus says that, we need to listen. I hate to state the obvious. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. How I mean, just think, how much of, of, of us, because I'm including me here, I'm, I'm living in, in, in this culture, like the same tsunami, the same hurricane you guys get, the same marketing and advertisements and ads that are literally trying to, they're trying to train you. Don't get into the social media. I mean, y'all know this, Amazon, right? Like you, you say, hey, I was thinking about having a bee nest. Next thing you know, you have bee nest advertisements coming up on your feed. Right? So um, then he says this. He, then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Right? So this, you know, he's, he's doing well. He had, a good, he had a real good season. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my more, all of my surplus. And I'll say to myself, this is the American dream right here. Man, you got, man, you got so much saved up, 401k, retirement. Oh, man, let's just, let's just take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Could it be the United States dream is God's nightmare? That's hard to say because I don't want you to hear with, with me saying that, well, that doesn't mean I can't have anything. Because that's what people will say, right? Like, well, well. And all I'm saying is you have to be aware of where we're, of where we're living our world isn't the world. I mean, 60% of the world doesn't have running sewage. Like, 90% of the world, 
Like I, I think it was think, think, think it's like eighty percent of the world doesn't like does not own a car, right? Like it's you know we we just have like we this is our cultural sin, so we have to be on guard, like Jesus said. But we have to be on guard about the cultural narrative that you are being sold, that is being sold as success, that is being sold as the very end goal, which is live your life, suffer through work in your job, save up so you, then you can live the best life you wanted and just take it easy. And I understand we all want a time where we can enjoy grandkids and we can travel more. I'm not against any of that. But what I am saying is make sure the kingdom of God is first. Because as a Jesus follower, it's thy will be done, not my will be done. But to know what thy will is, you have to live in his kingdom. And you can't say, God, this is my will. Conform your will to my will. Okay? So please hear my So it says, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, what did he say? You fool. God was very blunt. This very night your life will, will, will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. These are God's words, not mine. I'm just the mailman. I'm just got my blue little nap knapsack, and I got the blue hat on, driving up in the white truck, handing handing you mail. Have a great day. You know? <laughs> but but here's the thing. I I really believe that greed is tied to your more. What you do with your more. So let me ask you this: What is the more for? I think that's a very key question whenever we're talking about greed. But here's the thing. You can be a greedy poor person. You can be a greedy rich person. See, it doesn't matter your status. God's not concerned about status. Because, y'all, even Jesus said, the, the, you'll have poor. I mean, he talked about, he, he said, it's harder for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because they have so much stuff they can't even let God in. That's, and that's why Jesus redefined blessed. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Why? Because they got room for me. So be careful of wanting more, thinking that will make you blessed. That could actually have the potential to take you further from God. That's why we have to detox from this cultural narrative that's being sold to you. But honestly, I think what Jesus, like, what is the more for? What is the more for? I said this, if you're not intentionally generous, you will be unintentionally or, or intentionally greedy. The culture is too strong. And that's why I think whenever we're talking about, because everyone's asked, well, how do I know if, if I'm being greedy, <laughs> right? Everyone's like, how do I know? First off, I, I, I think it's a spirit personal thing, okay? Because some of you will label people greedy who are some of the most generous because they have nice stuff. Well, they're just being, people can have nice stuff and be giving away 50% of whatever they have. So let's just be careful. We don't, we don't point the finger more, more than we look inward. Jesus said, judge what? Judge not lest you be judged. Okay? But here's the thing. That's why I think greed is better determined by percentages than amounts. When you look at your life, your income, what, what you have coming, coming in, what we teach at our 
church is to be intentional, to be offensive with your budget and say, with where we're at, how can we take a percentage and we can invest it in, into God's work and things that matter to our heart? So you are not being defensively generous if we have enough. We are being offensively generous and saying, if we have more, what, what, what is the more there for? If we have extra, what is the extra there for? If we want to be intentionally generous and be formational with, with our generosity, how can we? Greed is better determined by percentages than amounts. If I have one book recommendation for this series, it is this book here, Andy Stanley. He wrote a book called How to Be Rich. If you're a decent reader, you could probably read this in about an hour. It is such a powerful book. But I would say if you email me and you say, you know, I'm John at LifehouseNN.com or just reach out to me on social, if you commit to reading this book, I'll buy it for you. I shouldn't have told you how long it would take. <laughs> I'm going to have like 30 of them, Adam. I'm going to have like 30 people messaging me. But, but, but hey, it's cool because this book can be a game changer in helping, because what he does, especially in this book, is he dives into that parable of the rich fool and gives so much commentary to help us know in this culture we're living in, how can we make sure that we're doing what Jesus said on our guard against all kinds of different greed. Everyone doing okay? So let me ask you a couple questions. Do you have a plan for how to be a blessing through, or do you have a plan for how to be a blessing through, this is not a right sentence, so sorry, uh, do you have a plan for how to be a blessing through you and at the end of your life, or do you just have a plan how to live at a certain level when you retire? Okay? This is something we, we have to get to the is it wrong to have a plan when you're, no, I'm not attacking retirement. Please don't come at me like, man, that pastor don't like retirement. No, I'm not saying that, okay? But what I'm saying is, is, is as living in the kingdom of God and prioritizing generosity and, and prioritizing being a blessing, not just to us, but through us, how much of your mindset and chatting is about how you can bless or is it just about how you can live opulently whenever you're done with your work? Okay, what, what would happen who could you bless? And guys, like I said, this is not about just about giving to the church. This is about you just being a blessing with your life. Honestly, like I wanted to get to a point where if someone needs $1,000, we're a church that just, yeah, I got you. Your person, yeah, it's just like we just got people lining up to say, hey, we even had somebody, someone that does not make a whole lot, reach out to, reach out to us and say, I've got 500 extra dollars. Is there anyone in the church that has needs? you know how beautiful that is? Do you know how beautiful that is? I've got extra. She could have taken that and bought AirPods, bought something else. But she said, hey, I've got 500. Is there anyone in the church that has a need? What if we had 100 people doing that? Hey, I've got 300 bucks this month. Is there anyone in the church that's got a need? It's like we would be the church or something. <laughs> I mean, Seriously. It's, it's, like we would, it's like we'd be the church. Y'all, I want us to live free. I want us for the grip of lack and fear and greed that the world is trying to wrap you in. I want our hands to get open. What would happen if you lived on less so you could give more? What a question. <laughs> 
Like, what if you were like, what am I wasting money on? Or, or what, what am I doing that, that, you know what, maybe I can. I mean, what if you had a blessing debit card? You know, you can have like three or four debit cards, right? What if you just had a debit card, like a blessing debit card? You need to put like 100, you know, just whatever your extra was and just be like, hey. So you could be looking to bless. So then you're out, instead of looking for the dress, you're like, who can I bless? <laughs> Come on now. Come on now, what if, what if we were the church of the blessing debit card? I'm just giving you ideas, Roland, right? I'm, I'm just trying to give us ideas. How can we not just get blessings? How can we give blessings? And then reveal the God of blessing. And then receive the joy of blessing. You know the reason why people are in, in the United States are so miserable? It's all because it's all about them. You are an endless, nothing will ever please you. You find your joy when you become like your heavenly father who is a giver and a blesser. Here's the thing. As you get to know God, Josie, you can come up. It's 1032. We're going to be closing on service in eight minutes. As you get to know the God of blessing, the blessing blockers will start to move. And that's why I say, guys, I'm not speaking legalism here. I'm not saying do this and God will like me. What I'm saying is, is as you step out and as you fight the fear, you fight the lack, you fight the greed, you are intentionally generous. What you will find is your heart opening up, your spirit opening up, and you'll actually start to, your relationship with God will start to be different because now you're doing the very things that God does and you find yourself becoming more like him. As you get to know him, though, these, this spirit of lack, this spirit of fear, the spirit of greed starts to loosen its grips and your hands go from this to getting open. And that is our heart for you. This series is not about getting anything from you. This is about getting something to you. I want you to live the blessed life, but the blessed life is not just about what's, what you receive. The blessed life is the one that receives blessing from the God of blessing. And then through your life, the world is blessed just like Abraham.